Good morning. It's such a joy to be with you this morning to be able to share and continue this series on the armor of God. How do we equip ourselves to be victorious and overcome life's battles? I'm excited because all of us face battles every single day. Doesn't matter if you're new to church, doesn't matter if you've been here for years, doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old. We will face a battle every single day of our life. And so I love this series because it's given us very practical tools on how do we stand firm against the enemy. As I was preparing and reading about the armor of God, you have to think about the battle that Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I just love, I love history. I love different battles and studying and the strategy involved. And I was reminded of a letter that General Eisenhower wrote uh, in preparation for D-Day. And so I just want to set the stage real quick. It's 1944, June, after a weather delay, we are getting ready to have the largest military operation in the history of warfare. Right, we've bombed coastal defenses. We have about 13,000 paratroopers have been, have been released behind enemy lines. And now 5,000 ships and about 156,000 troops are getting ready to invade the beaches of Normandy. And so General Eisenhower, just before, wrote a letter to them, to the, the soldiers, the seamen, the airmen, of the Allied Expeditionary Forces. And this is what he said. He says, you're about to embark upon the Great Crusade to bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Man, what a task. What an overwhelming task. And so you would think that Eisenhower would want to instill confidence in them, right? Hey, you guys got this. You can do this. We have all their troops in place. We have the boats in place. Man, victory is yours. But in an attempt to instill confidence, Eisenhower didn't say anything about this being easy. Didn't say anything about his enemy being defeated easily. But this is what he said. I have it up on the screen for you. It says, your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, he's well-equipped, and he's battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. Listen to that again. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. Would you feel very confident after you heard those words? Thanks, Eisenhower. He wanted the troops to understand the reality of the battle that they're about to engage in. Failure to do so, if they didn't understand the enemy that they were fighting, if they didn't understand the tactics, they wouldn't be prepared. If they weren't prepared, it just meant greater casualties. Imagine this carnage that the soldiers would have faced as they got off the transport boats at Omaha Beach if they did not realize the intensity of the battle that they were about to get into. Often, this ignorance, right, this denying of the intensity of the battle is how we look at our spiritual battle. We have an enemy. We don't like to talk about him. Maybe we're considered super spiritual if we talk about it, the devil, Satan. But this whole series is how do we put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the works of the enemy? So we need to make sure that we understand that he is there. Some people feel uncertain about comments concerning spiritual warfare. Eyebrows are raised at the thought of it, that the devil is still at work. 
So let me just share a couple of verses with you just to help set the stage for what Paul is challenging us with. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 reminds us that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. The God of this world has blinded the minds, so he is still at work at blinding the minds of people. It goes on to say they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it says this. It says, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So God has allowed the enemy to have influence in our world. Revelation 12, 9 describes the devil like this. It says, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He's blinding eyes. He is influencing lives. He is deceiving the whole world. So make no mistake. The enemy is still at work. Now he may be defeated already, but man, he is gonna fight battle against us as much as he can, as long as he has time to do so. So we need to understand that we're in a battle. And the first thought has to be, if I'm in a battle, how am I gonna win? I don't wanna be a casualty of war. I don't wanna be defeated, I wanna be victorious. And this is where Paul's writing in Ephesians chapter six comes in. He's trying to prepare us for the reality at hand. Just like Eisenhower was trying to prepare the soldiers and the seamen and the airmen of what they were up against. He's trying to let us know, man, this is what you need to do to be victorious. And so to do that, he uses the Roman soldier's armor to let us know how we can keep from becoming a casualty of war. Let's read it together. Ephesians chapter six, if you will. We're gonna start with verse 10. It says this, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray this morning, God, that through it you would speak truth and life. Lord, that you would encourage us, but yet you would challenge us and equip us. Lord, as we face battles every day, Lord, and how we can stand in victory over the enemy. Lord, work in us and through us. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. In verse 15, Paul commands us to put on our third piece of armor in an attempt to get us prepared for battle. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now we have shoes. Shoes. At one point in time, their primary purpose was to protect our feet, but now they've become a fashion item. We have shoes for everything. How many people here have more than five pairs of shoes? More than 10 pairs? 15, 20. I still see some hands. I'm gonna stop there. I'll stop there. We have shoes for everything, right? We have work shoes, we have play shoes, we have dress shoes. 
We have boots, we have sandals, we have flip-flops. If you've played sports, I played football growing up. Man, you could have cleats, but cleats for long grass, short grass, hard ground, astroturf, rainy day weather, right? Muddy ground. You could have track shoes, soccer shoes, but you could also have indoor soccer shoes. Shoes for everything. Shoes for everything. Cheerleading shoes, baseball cleats, hiking boots, rock climbing shoes, you name it, there's a shoe for everything. And the purpose of them all is to help you be more effective at what you're doing, what you're wearing them for. They were designed with specific purposes in mind, and the Roman soldier's footwear was no different. It was designed with certain things in mind. It kept the soldier's feet healthy, but it also protected them on their long force marches and in battle. Because a soldier's very life could depend on the condition of their feet. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. As they marched rough, hot roads, as they climbed over jagged rocks, as they trampled over thorns, and they waded through streams of jagged stones, as they went into battle and fought hand-to-hand against the enemies, they had to keep their feet protected. In Roman warfare, one of the tactics of the enemy is they would take sticks, and they would, they would shave off the end of it and make a, a razored edge, and they'd plant it in the ground, along the routes that the armies would be marching on with the hopes of as as the soldiers got there, as they stepped on it, it would penetrate their foot and leave them debilitated. Think about it. They understood. They could have a strong soldier. They could have a skilled soldier. But if that soldier was unable to stand, it hindered their ability to fight. You hurt your arm, you keep going. You hurt your hands, you keep going. You hurt your elbow, your shoulder, you keep going. But if you can't stand, if you can't stand, you're virtually defeated. Take a look on the screen. This is what the shoes looked like. <clears throat> there were three layers of leather that were stacked on top of one another and laced up around the ankle that you would tie, used to protect the foot. On the bottom, they had hobnails, like little pieces of metal that stuck out the bottom, kind of like a football or a track shoe. And it was this that would allow them to grip the ground. It gave them sure footing so that they could stand in battle. And that's what Paul sees as he's thinking about this battle that we're about to wage. The enemy that's coming after us. He pictures the Roman soldier, and we already talked about the other pieces of armor, but now he pictures a shoe that's designed to help us to stand our ground, to not give up ground, to stand firm, stand strong. Our feet are firm. We can make quick moves and keep our feet. As Christians, Paul is saying we have to have our shoes on too. We can have our belt on, we can have of truth on, our breastplate of righteousness, living godly, righteous lives. But if our feet are not firm, if we don't have a solid base, we're gonna fall over. Verse 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This idea of being ready, equipped, and prepared, it's really like a, like a readiness of mind. At any given point in time, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to stand my ground. I'm gonna stand my ground on this gospel of peace. And we're gonna talk about what that is. You know, it, a lot of people will jump right to you know, preaching the gospel. They have to preach the gospel of peace. Man, I'm ready, I got my shoes on. I'm ready to go. Let me go preach the gospel in, in this battle. And it's easy to, to think that right away because in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, which Paul also wrote, he talks about how beautiful are the feet. He says this, he says, 
And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 52 there, but it's easy to jump there that, hey, this gospel of peace, man, we just have to go preach. And don't get me wrong, the gospel of peace has to be preached. We have to talk about it. We have to share because people need to know. That's what Romans 10 is talking about, but here in Ephesians chapter six, we're not really talking about going anywhere. All through the the passage we read in Ephesians 6, we're commanded to stand. And having done all all else, stand. That you may be able to stand. See, it's not talking about going and preaching the gospel. It's talking about fighting an enemy. It's not talking about sharing the gospel or sharing the message of Jesus with folks who've never heard before. It's talking about a believer who is in conflict with an enemy. Paul's saying that because your feet are prepared and equipped with a gospel of peace, you can stand your ground. You don't slip and slide when you're under attack. So what does this mean? Gospel simply means good news, right? So there's good news of peace. So let's understand what this idea of peace is that we're gonna look at. If you wanna flip in your Bibles to Romans chapter five, we'll look there for just a moment and to understand peace the kind of peace we're gonna talk about, we're gonna look at the condition of man, how we are, what is our condition as we come before God before we understand the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So start with verse six with me. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. So we learn right there that we are weak and ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. So we're unrighteous. Verse eight, but God shows his love for us that that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're sinners. Verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we're unjustified, unsaved, and subject to God's wrath. So put it all together. We're weak, we're ungodly, we're unrighteous, we're sinful, we're unjustified, we're unsaved, and we're the subjects of God's wrath. That is our condition. Verse 10, if we go on to read it, it says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So all of those things tell us that we're an enemy of God. We are fighting against God at that moment in our life before we come to know who he is, before we understand and accept the work that Jesus has done on the cross. So the gospel of peace is that man was at war with God. We were at war with God. We were fighting against God all the time. But now, because of Jesus Christ, we are at peace with God. Our relationship has been restored. Look back in Romans chapter five, verse one, just the very beginning of that chapter. It says this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Man and God were at war. God was on the other side fighting against man. Or man was fighting against God. Jesus said it best in Luke chapter eleven twenty three. He said this, he said, whoever is not with me is against me. So man is an enemy of God and then Christ enters the picture and makes peace a reality. That's the good news. The good news that we get to stand on when we are in battle, when we're fighting thoughts, we're fighting words, we're fighting behaviors, we're fighting emotions, we're fighting feelings that are contrary to what God wants us to do, we get to stand firm on the reality 
that we're no longer at war with God and yet we are at peace with him. We're not on opposing sides. We belong to Christ. He is on our side. That is the gospel of peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this, In Christ, God was reconciling the, word to him, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Colossians 1.20 says that making peace by the blood of the cross. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Let me read it quickly for you. Just again, to, to put this, we are at peace with God. 831, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? For it's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it's written? For your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the gospel of peace that we stand on. Our relationship with God has been restored because the power of sin in our life has been broken. And if I have one with God, if I'm in relationship with God, then I have access to all that he is. All who God is, I now have access to. If I had to stand and fight off the enemy in my own power, it would never happen. I would lose every time. If I wasn't a Christian, that had God in my life, man, I'd be scared all the time. When I was a kid in the neighborhood we grew up in, there was a, a, another kid named Christopher. He was like the bully of the neighborhood. We all had one. He was a few years older than I was. He was like a modern-day Eddie Haskell, right? He was great to the parents, but man, to the rest of us, he was a terror. Things that he would do, we'd be riding our bikes up the road, and he would find things to, to throw across the road at us, whether it's a skateboard, he'd slide it across the road and try to hit the tires while we were driving, it would flip us over. So then we'd try to ride our skateboards up, and he would hide behind other things, trees, cars, with balls, and he would, like, basketballs and soccer balls, he'd throw them and try to, like, like a shooting gallery, right, try to knock us off. If he didn't want to do that, he would just chase us around until he caught us, and he would just throw us on the ground, and he would just hit us. He was just a bully. I remember telling my brother about him. My brother's a few years older than I was. He's like, man, just stand your ground. Just stand up to him. You got this. I'm like, bro, I can't stand up to him. Just do it. Like any bully, he just wants to be put in his place, right? So the next time something happened, he chased my friend Ben around. He caught Ben, had Ben on the ground, and he was kind of hitting Ben. And so me and my, my brother told me to stand up to him, right? So I go and I push Chris. Yeah, Chris didn't move, Right? He just looks at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, man, just knock it off, man. You're just a bully. Just leave him alone. Just get off him, right? I'm like, all oh, this proud and strength and confidence. And so guess what? Christopher didn't stop. <laughs> Christopher just got up from bed and grabbed me and put me down, right? And started hitting me. And so I went home and I told my brother. My brother didn't miss a beat. 
He said, let's go. He got up, and he just walked down the street, a man on a mission, and, and went to Christopher, found him in his yard, and he just walked in his yard and picked Christopher up and just put him down and did the same thing to Christopher that he did to us, just sat on top, and he was just hitting him. I'm not saying that's the right thing. Please, parents, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. <clears throat> but, man, was I satisfied in that moment, right, as I watched that. <clears throat> and so as he did that, though, this was the thing. My brother got up, and just like brothers would do, right? You think, oh, he just defended me, right? He just walks by me, he just like pushes me out of the way. He's like, I got your back. And just walked away, right? That is what it is like in this moment. As we're in this battle against the enemy, God is on our side and God has our back. When the enemy comes to attack, our feet are planted firmly on the solid ground that we're no longer an enemy with God, but God is with us. And it's his strength in which we fight. He's on our side, and when the enemy comes, I can stand up against him. I'm not an enemy of God. I'm not on the other side fighting against God. He's on my side. And no matter what the enemy throws at me, I can say, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That is the confidence of having my feet prepared with the gospel of peace. That is the hope and the truth that I stand on. So a couple things I want to share with you as we just wrap up here. <clears throat> One is we cannot have victory in, if we are still an enemy of God. And as we read in Romans 5, we are still an enemy of God unless we have acknowledged the work that Jesus did on the cross for us, breaking the power of sin in our life, restoring our relationship with God. So if you're here this morning, if you've never done that, if you've never invited God to be a part of your life, if you're at home, if you've never done that, Man, we would love to pray with you. We'll have folks up here in just a few minutes to pray if you want to pray. That's where it starts. Once you've made a decision to follow Christ, there's a few more things we can do to help us keep our feet planted. I'm going to share with them very quickly. Very quickly. First thing, man, will you just remember that Jesus has already defeated our enemy? Can I tell you how many times I hear, I probably even said it in my own life, man, I just need to get the victory. I'm just waiting for the victory to come. The victory's gonna come. Man, I'm just praying that God would give me the victory. Church, can I just tell you something? The victory's already ours. We just have to learn to walk in it. First John chapter three, verse eight says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. They've already been destroyed, already been defeated. So whatever you're fighting this morning, whatever battle you're fighting, can I just encourage you? God has already given you the victory in it. And the work that Jesus has done on the cross, will you just stand firm in that? Hebrews 2.14 says that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And he's already defeated the enemy. Second thing you can do real quick is just realize that the same power that defeated the enemy lives in you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When your relationship was restored with God, all that he is is at your disposal. It's a resource that you have. So understand that that same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that defeated the enemy, is at work in you, which gives you the ability to stand firm. Third thing, submit to God's authority. Man, submit your thoughts, your feelings, your words, your actions those things that you may wrestle with, just bring them under the authority of God, right? God, what do you want me to do? Great, then let me do that. What have you told me to do in your word? Then help me do that. Because it's when we do that, the Bible says in James chapter four that when we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he'll flee from us.
So man, the enemy's already defeated. That same power is within you. And just submit to God. As you go home, we always have some homework, right? So a couple of things that we want you to work on as you leave, just as you think about this message and you think about being victorious in battle. The first, we read the verses earlier, eight, uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 31. Would you read that and memorize that this week? Very simple, just the, the latter part. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What a strong, powerful truth to remember we're in the midst of a battle when the enemy, the father of lies, the deceiver, the one who blinds the eyes of folks will come and he will speak things to you. Man, you can't do this. You don't got this. You will never win. You're not victorious. You're just defeated. You can say no. No, that is not true because God is for me because I'm no longer an enemy of God. That is the gospel of peace that I'll stand on. And then will you also, will you identify an area in your life maybe that You've been doubting that God will give you victory and ask God to renew your faith in the finished work of the cross. Ask him to renew your faith. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word and for the confidence that it gives us. We thank you for Jesus, that he came and he died for us. God, we thank you that because of that, we're no longer enemies of God man, you're on our side. Lord, you give us strength. Lord, may we find confidence in the battle this morning that we're facing. Lord, maybe we've lost ground. We've allowed the enemy to push us back, but may we stand firm on the reality that I belong to God. And because of that, because of that, he is fighting with me and fighting for me. No matter what the enemy throws my way, I can stand firm on the promises of his word, on the promises of his work. And at the end, like Paul said, having done all else, I'll still be standing. Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen.